Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. While you're turning, the subject this morning is never give up upon God. Never give up on God. 2 Corinthians seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek his face. You know, the next step as we see in process and, and in the passage, we preach the first part of that is prayer. Prayer is the Christian's hotline to heaven. It's tragic that God's people move away from that, and they don't use it more. We think that revival comes when we organize, but that's not true. It comes when we agonize. You see, the devil laughs when he sees the strongest saint standing on his feet, but he trembles when he sees the weakest saint falling to his knees. It is well said that the church is dying on its feet because it's not living on its knees. Prayer, we can, now we can have prayer without having revival, but you cannot have revival without praying. As we pray, the Bible tells us to seek His face. The word seek literally means to search out, to look for with intensity. We are to seek who? The face of of Jesus. You know, we're looking for solution to, to our problems when we ought to be looking to God. And the way we do that in our world is we say we need to stop teenage pregnancy. So what is our solution? We hand out condoms and open abortion clinics. Does that make sense? We say we need to balance the budget. So what's our solution? We raise taxes. We say, or the world says, we need to reform, we need reform health care. So what's our solution? Let the government take over one-seventh of our economy in socialized medicine. We say we need to stop AIDS. What's our solution? Safe practice, safe sex. I'd say, and I'm telling you, we need to quit rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic and realize that without God, all of our solutions only create bigger problems. Now listen. God didn't wind this thing up to be so doggone complicated. It's sin that complicates our situation. Someone said, Mike, why'd you bring a pink swimming pool to the sanctuary? Well, if I were going to baptize babies, at least I picked the color for the girls. Unfortunately, that's not why I brought it in here. I brought this to represent 10 months ago. You remember... I wasn't here for four weeks. You say, Mike, what went on in your life in those four weeks? I jumped in a circle, driven or drawn by my own hand, and I stood in it, and I said, God, if I can't get it right, I ain't going back. And I said, you know, I realized then just as I realized in 1985, around 86, that I again stepped out of the circle and began to do it my way. You can't do it your way. You can, but you can't do it his way, your way. You say, well, Mike, what'd you do in the circle? 
I evaluated my spiritual well-being. I saw sin in my life. I acknowledged sin. I dealt with it. I went to strip humility in my life. And I realized now for 10 months, you say, well, have you lived a perfect life? No, ask my wife. Ask my, the people around me. I'm not perfect. And you're not either, but Jesus is. I know the perfect one, and the perfect one lives in me. But sometimes we get out of the circle. Hey, look, I was out of the circle. I was preaching. Was you right? I was so dead wrong, it stunk to the nostrils of God. You can't stand, you can't say that Jesus is in my heart and that I'm right with God if there's one sin in your life that's unconfessed, and I might add, repented of. That means you're not willing to do it again. That's the only way God's going to work in your life. Yeah, one amen. I don't blame you. I couldn't name in my life either. Our only solution for revival, listen to this, is the light of God that shines in our darkness. Revival is the love of God that breaks through our dullness. And revival is the life of God that flows through our deadness. I had reached a point in my life that there was nothing but darkness. Not that Jesus wasn't there, but sin was in my life, and I wasn't willing to deal with it, but I did. Revival is the love of God that breaks through dullness. You want to know what it's like to have sin in the life of your life and not repent of it? You not only are darkened, but you're spiritually dull. Some say, well, you can't be saved and have sin in your life. You better go back and study the life of David. You better go back and study the life of Abraham. You better go back and study the life of Lot because there was definite sin in their life. But there is is consequences. It's called darkness. It's called dullness. It's called deadness. And you can't call on God. You can't cry out unto God and expect him to respond if you're living in that kind of life in your life. What he wants is light in our life. What he wants is love in our life. He wants his life in us. So to take you to the best person I know about not giving up on God, don't give up on God in your prayer life. That's, that's our, our title of our message. I want us, we only have one point today as we, as we look at it. And let's look at the scripture in Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. What's Jesus saying? He's, he's given us counsel on prayer. He said, keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who seeks, will find. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. In verse 11, he says, do you parents think if you, your children ask for a loaf of bread that you'd give them anything else other than that you'd give them a stone instead? Or if they were to ask for fish, would you give your child a snake? Well, of course not. If you, Jesus says, 
you simple people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those that ask him? A little five-year-old girl was watching her mother in fascination as she was rubbing cold cream on her face. And she looked at her mother and said, Mama, what are you doing? She said, I'm trying to make myself beautiful. Well, to that little girl's amazement, in a minute, the mother began to remove all of that cream with tissue paper from her face. And the girl said, what's the matter, Mama? Are you giving up already? (laughs) The problem with you and I, when it comes to prayer and when it comes to God wanting to use us is no different when Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane. And when he came out, he said, guys, pray with me. Pray as I go to pray to the Father. And when Jesus came back, they were all asleep. He said, I can't even, I can't even count on you. And, and when my life's in the balance, because you can't spend the time necessary to help, to blend with me, to go with me in prayer. Sometimes God looks at our puny prayer lives, and he asks the question, are you giving up already? Believe it or not, there are people both inside the church and outside the church who have given up on God. Some have quit going to church. Some believe that I'll go to the church that only suits my fancy. Some believe and have quit praying. Many have quit witnessing. Many have quit financially supporting the church, God's established storehouse. They've given up on God. But thank God Jesus makes a promise about prayer in this passage. And it's one of the greatest promises in all the Bible. It's a promise that's based on never giving up on God. Jesus made a dogmatic, a dynamic, and a very definite statement about prayer that assumes one very final vital fact that God hears and God answers prayer. Keep on asking and you will be given what you ask for. The number one point and only point that I want to share with you today in three subpoints is, first of all, to follow God's requirements for prayer. Surely, you and I can follow what God says in the Word. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Did you know that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeated the discussion of prayer twice. Evidently, he saw that there was no substitute for for anything other than power and, and provision and God's connection with us than through a prayer life. There are things that God does by prayer that he doesn't do any other way. If we're going to invite God into the fellowship with and fellowship with us, then we've got to involve God in our daily lives. And the way we do that is through prayer. Notice the three verbs in verse 7 that he gives us. They're in the, they're in the, the continuing action. Ask, seek, and knock. You see, prayer is not a request. It's a requirement. It's a command. And I might just stop right here and just say... You want to know whether or not you're growing in grace? You want to know whether or not you're growing in Jesus? You want to really know whether or not you have power in your life spiritually? You want to know whether or not God's able to use you? Well, can I ask you one simple question? How many hours? No, no. How many minutes did you spend in prayer last week? Some of you never directed one 
prayer, one communication to God last week. Now, let me ask you something. If you, did, if you treated your spouse like you prayed to Jesus, would they have to look at you and say, would you please prove your love to me? Because I don't see it. I just don't see it. 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord. Listen, in ceasing to pray for you. When you don't pray, you commit three sins. One, you commit, first of all, the sin against the Lord who demands us to have communication with him. He demands us to pray. Two, you sin against others who depend upon you praying. And thirdly, you sin against yourself but by denying a blessing that comes when you pray. The Bible says there are actually two ways you and I sin. One, by doing things that are wrong. Oh, Mike, I know all about that. I know I ain't supposed to chew, mix, smoke. Skip rope with those who do. Isn't it amazing that we can give this long list and we should know what our weakness is. We can give those sinless, but most of the time we, enter, we, we zero in on the things that we're doing wrong. Well, what about this? Could it be that you could be sinning by failing to do the right thing? James says in, in James four seventeen. therefore to him to know to do it, to know who, well, let me say it again. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. If you and I are not praying to the very one that saved our souls, we are backslidden. We're not close to God. We're way away from God. We're doing our own thing. We are actually taking our lives over and saying, God, I can do a better job with it. I don't need you today. <clears throat> I don't need you the rest of this week. Take a vacation. Ask implies making a verbal request. Seeking involves going beyond talking to actually looking for answers. And knocking involves not only asking and seeking, but going to a specific place and knocking on a specific door, trying to find a specific answer. The greatest problem with prayer is not unanswered prayer today. It's unasked prayer. James 4, 2 says you have not because you ask not. Now, let's look at these three verbs. First of all, the verb of asking. Asking expresses our, depend our dependence on the Father. When you pray, you're acknowledging that you're totally dependent on God. Now, we say that, right? But what happens when that one cell, like my wife faced twice, that was told by a doctor and dug out by a doctor, that that cell is melanoma cancer? It's the very cancer that took Tony Allen to glory. When you're told that you have a heart condition and that heart condition is, is fatal and that you are going to die of that heart condition. You see, we all of a sudden, when we get against the wall, when our backs are against the wall, Talena did not surely know that her husband was going to go in last week. 
and barricade all the doors and take a gun and shoot her three times and then take the gun and kill himself. Do you think for a moment she knew that was going to happen? And now she is in the balances in Grady. You know, when life's kind of clicking along and we're not facing any real controversy, we have a tendency to slip out of our own personal circle spiritually. And we begin to entertain things that just shouldn't be. Some of you have been doing that just this past week in your life. You say, well, Mike, what is it that's so bad? What is it that, that, you, can you, what is it that you define outside the circle what is it that, that, let me tell you something, what's outside of the circle is just simply the things Jesus said, don't do it. Don't do it. It's wrong. And then he says, ask. Keep on asking. Specifically praying to him. You and I need to do that. Then he says, Seeking. Seeking is the expression of our desire. See, you and I do not know always what to pray for and how to pray. Romans, the Bible tells us in verse 8, 26, and 27, the Spirit also helpeth our weak in our infirmities or our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as, as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us according to the will of God. You see, you and you and I pray. We not we shouldn't be praying for our will. We need to be seeking His will. We need to be desiring what He wants for our lives, not what we want. I mean, after all, isn't what you want get doesn't it get you outside of the circle every once in a while? Isn't it the very reason that you right now may be outside of that circle of God's perfect will for your life because you're getting exactly what you want, and what you want is wrong. Then there's knocking. The knocking is an expression of determination. You know, when I'm out, especially when my kids are small and we're out shopping, last night we took our grandkids to Walmart, all four of them. I mean, I don't know what my kids did to fire those four kids up when they got to my house, but we had to have a prayer meeting. I'm talking about before we headed out, we had to have a prayer meeting. I asked my grandkids, they'll tell you. I said, guys, we can't go nowhere until we pray these demons away from us. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, 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 <laughs> whew, I love them. But God had to come in on that thing. I went back in the van, and I got down on my knees, and I said, boys, you hold my hands. Girls, y'all grab Cindy's hand. And we got to pray, or we ain't going nowhere. You know, if we did that every day, wouldn't it be so neat? There'd be times when we wouldn't get things that we get into if we invited God in on it. <laughs> I didn't have a choice there. It just had to happen. But it was a beautiful night, 
and a wonderful time. You know, I, I, when I went, my wife says, you need to go to bed. You preach tomorrow at 9 o'clock. I said, thank you, baby. I don't know what time she brought my, the youngest one in there, but when I woke up, it wasn't the same one. And he looked at me funny and said, how did I get here? <laughs> a lot of times we're just like that. We don't have a clue. And so what we need is that we need the Holy Spirit to come in and sort of sort everything out and straighten it out for us and give us clarity in our minds to and toward the will of God. One man had four kids. We prayed for four, had four. God graciously gave us two to raise, and he raised the other two. Well, this, you know, how many of you got more than one kid? Raise your hand. Y'all going to identify with this. There are those days where you get so tired of just the endless noise, dirty diapers, toys scattered everywhere, fussing and fighting. Do I hear a witness in the house? All right. In order to be alone for a few minutes, this particular man would go into the bathroom and take a shower. One day he was in the shower and He'd been in there, and, and, and the bathroom door was shut, and here come his little girl, little girl banging on the door. And with great irritation, he shouted back out of the shower, Can I have my privacy, please? Kind of quiet. He just breathed a sigh of relief. All of a sudden, Daddy! Where is your privacy? I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> that is the spirit of prevailing prayer. All of us face that. <laughs> now, why, why are we to keep asking? And why are we to keep seeking? And why are we to keep knocking? Because of what God says. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. The reason why we ought to pray is not because God will always give us what we want, but that He will always give us what He wants. Why can't we just say, God, we're satisfied with what you've given me? You know, the problem is, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. Billy Graham once said, heaven is full of answered answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask or pray. It's tragic, isn't it? But it's a true statement. I sometimes wonder where we might be as a church, where I might be as a pastor, where you might be as a believer, if a long time ago we drew a circle around ourselves. And we said, God, I ain't coming out of the circle. <laughs> I ain't coming out until I deal with everything. Ten months ago, I was way out of the circle. Way out of the circle. I, I'm just lucky God loves me. And, buddy, I know what grace is all about. Some of you. Away out of the circle. You're way out. And you know what? 
we can't pray for revival if we're not experiencing personal revival. Why can we collectively, why, can we, why should we even collectively expect God to do something that he's not even able to do in you? I came back because I realized that I wanted him to work through me. And I didn't want to be another statistic of somebody to just quit. You know, the, the tougher it gets, you're going to realize that you've got to pray. Now, some of you haven't been forced to pray, and you haven't been praying. But if God has to, he will force you. He'll send it in such a way that you'll find yourself praying out of sheer desperation. A lot of people are praying but few people are connecting. I want to connect, don't you? I, I just don't want to say, Lord, lay myself, lay me down tonight, or what have it go, that little rhyme, lay myself down to sleep. I cry, uh, what is that? Pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I, all that stuff. I, that's, that's not praying, y'all. That's repetition. I'm talking about soul searching agonizing. Why? Because you're not right. That's why we're not right. Or we'd already been experiencing personal revival. A little story told of a Sunday school class who adopted a missionary as a project. The teacher told them that these are real live missionaries, and they're very busy, and they might not have time to answer your letters. So you can imagine the surprise of this one missionary when you received the letter of one of the little girls in the class which said, Dr. Red Smith, we're praying for you, but don't worry, we're not expecting an answer. <laughs> How many of us get on our knees? Oh. Some of you won't even bow your knees. Too prideful. How many pray expecting God to answer? Do you? God not only wants us to pray, He wants us to pray in such a fashion that we will indeed expect and get an answer. How do you get your answer? Well, I learned 10 months ago. I should have learned in 1986, but I forgot it. Don't tell me, y'all. Don't forget. Don't tell me that y'all don't get lazy in your spiritual walk. And you get to thinking, oh, I'm just bebopping along. Everything's going my way. Boom! Something happened. First, for early service, one, one of our ushers went out, and Terry was 
behind the door with his foot, and he said, Hallelujah! He turned around, boom! <laughs> Thinking the door was going to open. How many times have we been hit right in the face? And we wonder, where'd that come from? You really wondered? <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask you to do in just a minute? It's so simple. Get back in the circle. Get back in. Here's what I want you to do. I just simply want you to say, God, probably most of you already know what it is. But some of you look like this. Yeah, I know you can't see that, but you got a foot in the circle and a foot out. Yeah. You're toying. I'm going to tell you something. Sure works better right in here. Because then you can love again. Then you can see light again. Then you can hear spiritual truth again. The dullness and the deadness and the dryness will go away. Believers sense that. Lost people live that way. 